0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. Hey, Steeler Nation, this is Chad Brown, and you are listening to SteelerNation.com podcast.
1: Hello, Steeler Nation! And welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast. I'm your host, G. Stryker, and today we take an inside look at Steelers news with professional sports writer from com. Hunter's Homestec. Hunter, how you been, man?
2: Wonderful, dude. Thanks for the <laughs> intro, as always. It's cool to be back. Cool to be repping my own thing now with homestead.com. so yeah. appreciate the new intro there. It sounded good.
1: And everybody on the vidcast now, you can see it right there on his background. H o m i s t e k dot com. He's doing a lot of freelance writing now, and check out his site. He's got a lot of cool stuff up there. And, and what type of things are you following right now, Hunter?
2: Man, I, it's been a scramble honestly since leaving DK Pittsburgh Sports and starting my own thing. So yeah. right now, I've kind of been following just building my website getting everything rolling and things of that nature. Been diving into my hobbies a little more with the time off, getting back to cooking and music and a lot of other things that I like. So it's been a bit of a decompression while at the same time kind of recharging for this new version of me and and my site and my work and everything. So really exciting time, honestly, man.
1: That's great. That's great, man. And um, I guess now we can get into some Steeler news, man. It's been a while since we talk. Uh, Most of the people that are familiar with the podcast, obviously, when Hunter and I get together, we can talk about anything ad nauseum for long amounts of time. So the offseason, this is the perfect time for us to get together and just have a lot of fun about Steeler news. And first off today, we just got a tweet in from Deontay Johnson stating he is now a Hefty 191.2. He's packed on some pounds. A la AB did early in his career. Hunter, what do you have to say about that?
2: I love to see this, man, especially in an off-season like this where nothing they couldn't get together. Nothing was mandated. There was no strength and conditioning coordinator breathing down his neck, telling him to put on weight. You know, I, I'm sure they exchanged messages and things of that nature, but it wasn't, it was, it was up to him. What I love about this is that it shows the will to do that. It shows that Deontay wanted to do this on his own, showed the initiative to get it done, recognized that it needed to happen too. He was obviously one of the smaller receivers on the Steelers for sure. And in the NFL at large, he's on the smaller side that you'd want to see a wide receiver. And while he has a lot of attributes that I think excite both of us, we've talked about Deontay a lot. There's a lot to love about Deontay. He definitely, if there was one knock on him, his rookie season was that he was a little prone to injuries and getting nicked up here and there. And it made you wonder if that smaller frame would be able to take the abuse of an NFL career. So seeing him put on weight and make an effort to bulk up and, and, you know, bolster that area, that deficiency, it's a really good look from him going into year two.
1: And I agree. And I think it's, you know, you take into another perspective. I remember the Steelers always drafted those short fast receivers, the Dree Archers, the Chris Rainey's at 150 to 160 range. And those guys just can't hold up in the NFL with that weight. Now, I've also got a concern about Hollywood Brown, who's similar weight coming into lead in the 170s, low 170s, high 160s. So it'll be interesting to see if he starts bulking up as well, a la his cousin, since he works out with his cousin. I'm sure they're going to start talking about that. But he was nicked up a lot last year as well and kind of, Fell behind, which is why I think Deontay Johnson didn't he lead all rookies in receiving last year? For was he? Yeah, receptions. Receptions. Yeah. Receptions. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So hopefully he can de- definitely build on that and have a bigger frame to build, pack that, uh, the new uh, receptions onto. So oh, sure. we, we also got some news from Big Ben over at the Trib. Um, it was, let me bring up this article quick. Oh, it's on my phone. My gosh. I, I'm all multimedia ended up here. We got YouTube. We got we got, Zoom, the we got, we got the phone here on the trib. So the, uh, it was a, an article by Joe Rudder today and it just came out at five 40, which is just a few hours ago. And he mentioned that quarterback Ben Roethlisberger admits past addictions to alcohol and pornography. And this was a really, really interesting article going through and just, Touching base on the fact that he had he kind of fell away from religion in college, and all the early success in the NFL kind of took him away from religion. Uh, he has since refound religion within the past three years. I think he's been baptized again, and he's very happy with his spiritually and trying to continue to grow each day spiritually, which is a great thing for Steelers fans to, to, to listen to and hear about because. His early part of his career was marred with a lot of off-season problems and problems with alcohol and um, and, and those types of things. So it, it to me, it's a big positive that he's able to admit these types of things. And it's wonderful as a Steeler fan being able to hear that he's turning himself a lot around. Also, making sure to point to his lovely wife being a big onus for him returning to spirituality as well. So that's a big, big plus for us Ben fans.
2: It is. And it's huge. I love anytime you hear about a human recognizing their deficiencies, you know, we just talked about Deontay in a physical sense, but sometimes in that mental spiritual sense, it's just as important to grow and, and understand where you're weak and where you need to get better. What I think this is from Ben, especially that shouldn't get discredited is him stepping up as a leader. That's a huge example to the rest of the guys for, for your franchise quarterback to come out and admit alcohol and pornography addiction in an interview. That's huge, man. You know how guarded these NFL players can be with their issues, especially Ben's a guy who doesn't do a lot of media in general. So for him to come out and say this is a huge step for him. And I'm sure the other guys in that locker room are taking note of that and being like, that's that's our guy. Like he's stepping out. He's doing that, showing us, hey, it's okay to address this and grow and get better. We're all we all have issues. We all have our faults. And I'm I'm not afraid to address mine. You guys shouldn't be afraid to address yours and and step them up and and build on them. So I love seeing that from that on that level, from Ben, the over, the overall theme there that he talked about, I think has been present for a long time. So it's not a huge shocker that he has matured to to Steelers (laughs) nation. I think any Steelers fan will understand that sentiment. Well, so it wasn't a hugely shocking interview, but to hear it laid out in the, in that plane of terms was, and it was awesome to hear, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a great, great moment for all of us to kind of have a reason to rally behind Ben, because I know we've discussed this at the, in the past as well, because it, every time Ben even comes out with something positive, it tends to be taken by a negative skew by certain Steeler writers, certain national writers. Uh, I don't know if it's a gen- general bias over his past problems, uh, but getting through them and trying to better himself could be the only, you know, the best possible scenario that could have occurred from all of these prior negative situations. Um, so, moving on to the to Steelers' virtual offseason, we've got a neat little video that they threw up uh, discussing pretty much what's going on during the off offseason uh, leading with Coach Tomlin. Have you, have you had a chance to see that video over at Steelers.com?
2: I honestly haven't seen the video yet, so I'm anxious to see this myself.
1: Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it up. We're going to talk over it uh, because I've got my bullet points, and I, we're not going to be able to hear the audio. Steeler Nation, if you want to hear it, please go to Steeler Nation. Do, please go to Steelers.com, and um, you'll be able to watch the videos right there. It's called the Steelers Virtual Season. is the name of the video and we do have an article for that as well and let me just make sure yeah mike michael stiffler on our site wrote the inside look at the steelers virtual offseason which also has a link to this video as well
2: Nice. I'm just happy you guys have a stifler on the site, really. That's awesome. <laughs> Dude, you don't know
1: how happy a striker was to get a stiffler with him. Awesome. Can't wait to get him on the podcast. It'll be Dude, coming the, up soon. The
2: striker and stifler show. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful.
1: Ninety nine point one striker and stifler <laughs> in the morning.
2: Exactly. Oh my
1: god. So here you have uh Coach Tomlin uh talking about uh talking to the team, basically making sure that that you know everybody's gotta be in shape is was first and foremost what he's uh, the biggest thing that he's trying to tell everyone is like, this is on you. This is the, you know, the new reality that we live in with COVID-19 and the uh, coronavirus. So you've got to put in your own time and you've got to make sure that when you show up here, you're ready to work so we can just move forward with what we need to do to win football games. So I sure. thought that was a, a pretty impactful, impactful statement to start off with, especially when, since he's doing a zoom call with like a hundred people on it. And it's fortunately, it's just you and me on ours.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. That's, This is really cool to see. And and you see Zach Banner all leaned out there, man. He's looking, he's looking Uh good too. That's cool to see.
1: Yeah, Uh, Zach. Yeah, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, I I love seeing this. I love that they've given us a glimpse behind the curtain, so to speak, because uh, again, kind of like talking about Ben being reserved, pro athletes are very reserved in their preparation in general. So it's cool to finally get a little peek behind the curtain and see some of this.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really is. And Zach, what he's doing in the morning at 6 a.m., uh, he's showing up with Matt Filer and actually his 21-year-old brother, and they go out and they hit the, the bags and they, they do some blocking drills and they show some of it here too. So it's pretty big that he's got his 21-year-old brother out there, you know, <laughs> mixing Absolutely. it up with the adults and the, the professionals. Uh, but he seems to be hanging in there. Uh, Zach also was big. He's big on nutrition. And it, the one thing when I interviewed him earlier too – his normal body weight is 400, like yeah. over 400 plus. So right. for him to stay like a, a Svelte 360, he's got to watch his weight and he's got to watch what he eats. And the biggest thing for him was sugar. He's like sugar, sugar, sugar. I understand sugar is the biggest thing that keeps weight off of me. So anybody else there trying to lose weight, cut your sugar completely. No, Absolutely. cheat. Day. He's like even a cheat day with sugar, it's it ruins it. You can't even you just just give it up. Just give it up if you're trying to lose weight for a few years. Yeah.
2: No, that's that's a hundred percent valid man i did a, a keto diet a couple of years ago it's basically no carbs and no sugar it's crazy yeah. oh crazy yeah. how fast mm-hmm. you can you can lose weight doing that kind of thing obviously in these quarantine and there's times, his brother and, and him going at it <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah I know i put on my covid 19 yeah as no well doubt. so <laughs>
2: no doubt i'm no, definitely I mean, looking at him, the scales <laughs> he, he yeah it's great this is awesome to see you can see it in his face a lot even
1: yeah yeah, yeah. it's 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 really huge, and he also his his pastime he loves playing FIFA mm-hmm. uh, online. So he was ranked in the top five hundred in nineteen FIFA nineteen, and he's learning the new controls for twenty. But he's he's working to get ranked now. That's so. hilarious. <laughs> so that's had, the one thing you like to do in the off season. He
2: had a FIFA belt in his locker all year. Last year, he <laughs> had like the FIFA championship belt in his <laughs> nice. locker. So that's great.
1: Yeah, nobody on the team's going to be able to take it from him. If he's ranked worldwide. <laughs> no, yeah,
2: that, that's a totally different level.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially like five hundred. That's like that's an international game. Like everybody plays FIFA in this world. Yeah. So now we're talking about Eric. You see, he's got his Jugs machine. So the big thing for him was he moved from Indi- Indianapolis to Houston. And he purchased a ton of workout equipment. He's never had to do this before in the past because he was always able to use team facilities and go to the gym. But now, since he's stuck at home with COVID, he's bought so much workout equipment. He's bought boxing equipment. He bought that great multi-use and multi-fire jugs machine. So he's really like taking it upon himself to better himself. And he really loves how the players on the Steelers are also helping him out prepare for the season. A lot of times it's a dog eat dog world depending on what your team you're on but mm-hmm. he said with the steelers they're nothing but helpful helping him out with the playbook and helping him prepare to be the best that he can be so
0: yeah.
1: that's huge one and that's why a lot of people really like the steelers organization it can be different than some other cutthroat organizations depending on who your coach is
2: sure that aligns perfectly too with everything we heard from the free agents and rookies last year cuz when i was covering you know rookie otas and training camp and everything of course those are questions that come up Mm-hmm. All the new guys were always like, it, "It's unreal how helpful everybody is." There's no yep. ego. And Minka Fitzpatrick actually said it best. He said something like, "It if if you do have an ego, they work that out of you quickly." Like basically, <laughs> we put that to an end quickly nice. because there's just no space for that in this locker room. So, and e- Ebron, man, I've I cannot wait to actually meet this guy this year and see what he's got yeah. because I've loved his attitude through everything, his social presence, his just demeanor. I really like what I see. It reminds me of what I saw from Steven Nelson a lot last year in that he, he truly just believes in himself and he has that kind of confidence that comes from that. Yeah. It's not necessarily boasting, but it's this where you just believe in yourself to this degree and you just know it's going to pay out. Speak of the devil. I know it's just going yeah, to, that, that gonna was my segue. Yeah. You <laughs> my segue. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Let's talk about Steven Nelson because he deserves yeah. the love.
1: Oh yeah. i um, Steven Nelson as well. It, it's a, And it was great that you got to mention that because he came on last year, like you're saying, saying the same things, but now with him, he was working out at home a lot, doing a lot of weird workouts because he couldn't get to the gym. Like we see here, it's like, It doesn't look like it works out much, but it's still pretty impactful. He's like meeting with his trainer on Zoom. But now since the gyms have opened up, he's able to go over and hit the gyms. And he is super, he's one of those players that really takes advantage of nutrition. So he's got a personal chef slash nutritionist that prepares all of his meals to make sure he's getting the appropriate amounts of nutrients and ratios for whatever he's trying to do, build muscle, uh, maintain uh, endurance, or, or what have you. And there's certain times, too, where he's like, well, I'm g- I want to be vegan this week. And other times, I'm just, I want to eat meat. But I, he'll switch it up. He'll go back and forth. But he's got a, a nutritionist uh, chef that prepares all of his meals and has it all set up for him in the week and does shakes as well. I think he has like a uh, more of like a, uh, like a carrot shake in the morning and then like a green shake in the afternoon to maintain his energy.
2: Dude, that's so awesome, and it doesn't surprise me at all just knowing him and getting to talk to him a lot last year. that Steven Nelson is honestly, he's on a different level, and I don't necessarily mean as an athlete. He's very, obviously, an incredible cornerback as well, but he's on a different level mentally than most guys. The the way he takes care of himself and his mind is truly on a different level. He's really, I highly recommend anybody who doesn't, follow Steven Nelson or really read much about him, like really follow this guy. Cause I'm telling you, he, he's doing some really, really cool stuff, both mentally and physically.
1: Hmm. And that's, you know, and it's cool too because they started talking about their pastimes. Uh, <laughs> Ebron was saying he wants to be a, he, he would be a professional golfer. He loves golf so much that, you know, he just wants to go out there and, and there's Chef Kyle. This is the meal prep guy for Nelson. Uh, that was th- that, uh, that I was talking to you about e- earlier. Um, but he's like, if I could do golf professionally, I would, obviously I'm a football player now, but <laughs> yeah. a lot of, I'm sure a lot of NFLers would like to do golf professionally too afterward. Uh, then- yeah,
2: he'll have some time when all, when it's all said and done, golf's not going anywhere
1: now, <laughs> now. No. And then also it was, uh, Nelson said his pastimes fishing. He loves going out, hitting the lakes and he's done it all. He's done river lakes, uh, saltwater fishing, and yeah. he loves all of it, so it relaxes him. It kind of centers him, and get helps him to get mentally prepared and and, and focused then on football. So that's kind of a neat, you know, way to. You got to find things I think also to relax you, because just keep pushing all the time really makes it difficult to, you know, create. You have to create some mental balance, otherwise you might get burned out.
2: Absolutely. And absolutely, and you've heard it. All three that we've talked about their hobbies. You know, fishing golfing playing fifa they're all the same <laughs> in the same vein it's it's about unplugging and just you know removing yourself from the grind of being a pro nfl player yeah obviously golf's a little physical and so is fishing fifa yeah. less so but maybe yeah. maybe if you're real i don't know maybe to get ranked 500th you have to yeah no he's, he's pretty
1: it. intense about it you should see yeah. when he wins a game he's like jumped up in the air like, ah! <laughs> i'm sure he's competitive we all know zach banner's competitive yeah
2: Honestly, the, these dudes are so athletic. Like, if 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 Ebron wanted to be a pro golfer and really dedicated himself to that, I'm sure he could. Yeah, I have sure no yeah. doubt. No doubt.
1: Especially with that length. that You get that swing and the length. I mean, that yeah. ball's going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> here we go. There
0: we yep, go.
1: now he's going to the FIFA. <laughs> yeah, so so that's great. It, it's great to hear a little bit about what the Steelers are up to here in the offseason because we're all kind of stuck inside Steeler Nation. And I'm um, not, you know, some – the States in the South are a little bit more open than the States up here in the North. But um, a lot of the NFL and our NFLers that I've been interviewing and talking with, and I know you as well too, Hunter, um, a lot of everybody staying at home and only going out to certain locations to certain times. And it's going to be interesting to see how the NFL is going to open up. I know there was another report that just came out today that two Steelers tested positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. And that was evidently an old report. So they are, from what I'm gleaning from this, they currently aren't positive anymore and they've returned uh, to practice. And I guess they weren't in the building when they were positive. So no issues there. Yeah.
2: It's not, it's not unheard of. I mean, the Penguins had the same thing happen. Um, A lot of sports teams have had this happen and it's going to happen. Whenever you've got these kind of numbers, the data simply says there's going to be some pro athletes that get it. So it's really, it's a, it's a story with a great headline, but it's kind of a, a non-story, honestly. They took care of it. It's all under control. There's no reason to think it's going to be anything bigger than that.
1: Yeah. So moving on from there, there's something that I am going to start an article on that I've been working on here for a bit. And um, we're talking about the wide receivers and kind of started gotten talking on Steeler Nation about, you know, who are the wide receivers going to be this year? Like, basically, essentially, who is the or more specifically, who's going to be the fifth wide receiver. And I, sure. I think um, one of our Steeler Nation um, uh, writers, FB3, he, he was the one to put up the, uh, the post initially, and I kind of took and ran with it a little bit because that's – I get insane about these kind of things because I love the wide receivers. That's like my favorite aspect of the game. But, sure. I mean, Hunter, you and I obviously know the top four, they're locks. So yeah. You've got, you know, DJ last year, Deontay Johnson having a great year. Juju having a great year. I mean, he's, he's the number one guy no matter what. When we're in the one wide receiver sets, two wide receiver sets, he's on the field. Um, James Washington, I think, separated himself last year, showing he has first first uh, dibs to that Z receiver position, and he's got that locked down. And then they go and draft Claypool. And Claypool was the most interesting aspect of this draft in a couple situations here, Hunter. And I see him as not – the way the, the reason why the Steelers drafted him – wasn't just because he is a red zone threat. He can immediately come in as that fourth wide receiver, give you a size mismatch against smaller corners, but he is a monster on special teams. He's literally on every coverage team because of his speed and every blocking team because of his size that Notre Dame had. So he's out there on field goal team. He's out there on kick, kick return team. He's out there on kick off team, punting team, punt return team you know, extra points. He was doing it all last year. So that was a position that normally fell on the Steelers fifth receiver. Yep. You know, when we had Johnny Holton last year doing it, and he, every once in a while he'd get on the field. And then the year before that, like we had um, Darius Hayward Bay as well, but, you know, progressively he started getting less and less impactful as a receiver and was very impactful in special teams. But now we have, for the first time, an impactful special teamers who's already going to be locked in as the fourth receiver. Mm -hmm. So that's going to create a really interesting shift now for the who's going to be the number five and having somebody that normally would have been the fifth receiver being that big as a as an impact player on special teams. Does that mean that the Steelers only keep five receivers this year?
2: I can't see that, man. I don't know. They always keep six and I just see them still still carrying six through the season. But Claypool, like you said, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, that's ridiculous. You're not going to spend your top draft pick, of course, round two, but still their top top draft pick. You're not going to spend your top draft pick on a special teamer, but it's like, man, you you clearly didn't watch the tape at Notre Dame to see how good a how good he is on special teams B, everything Tomlin and Colbert had to say about him after the draft was we fully intend to use this guy on special teams because we know he's a beast there and C, this virtual all these virtual workouts all the COVID shortened weirdness of this is going to make it easier for him to step into special teams than onto the field as a receiver. So I think there's a lot of things working in the favor of Chase Claypool is definitely going to be a special teamer this year and probably going to be really good at it. And that's a perfect way to keep him on the active roster, keep him involved, get him some reps here and there at receiver, but don't put the weight of the world on his shoulders right away as a rookie. So I think it's going to be perfect, The honestly, the perfect situation for him. There's no reason, no reason at all to rush anything with him. You talk about the other three receivers in front of him, pretty much no worries there in my mind you know you know those guys are going to step up and do their job yeah. I, I believe in juju maybe more than a lot of people do uh, i know injured. oh he's gonna be
1: fine he was yeah. he was playing injured last year i, I don't have and, any problems with him he's so big and so and quarterback now the gonna...
2: situation come on the quarter yeah. and no receiver was good last year even even Deonte and james washington you know set career highs and everything yeah. but it's it's not like any of them put up stats that you would be totally satisfied with from a number no. one receiver it was just better in comparison so yeah it really wasn't great but they're they're all in for a better year with Ben and Claypool and then as far as the fifth goes are are we making predictions or what yeah yeah
1: we're moving on and here's the other reason why I thought the Steelers might go with just five receivers it's because of drafting Eric Ebron because Eric Mm -hmm. Ebron is not he wasn't brought to the team to be the starting tight end we have a starting tight end it's Vance McDonald because he can do it all he's he's a he's the best run blocker on our team at the tight end spot. That's definitely saying something, even getting uh, Ebron in the mix. Um, but there, I mean, to me, I don't think it's even close, but receiving wise Ebron is a receiving tight end. Yeah. So he, in the two tight end sets, we're looking to pass, or we can, can look to pass or do it out of two, two tight end sets with much more aplomb than we could last year with whoever was number two, trying to <laughs> run past. Oh, it was the guy we brought in from, uh, uh, from Seattle. The guy, Oh, what was yeah, his name? Nick. Vinette, yeah. yeah. I was like the, the other V guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Vinette, was having uh, some, some problems, you know, getting open consistently. And so ma- made for a tough situation, but with, with Ebron now, when you're bringing him onto the field and a lot of times they will swap him and put him out wide. So you might see situations where you'll have Juju and Ebron on the left and you'll put Ebron wide where Juju likes playing the big slot anyway. And now you've got a small corner on Ebron. unless they try to switch and they get caught up on the switch when they, when they run the pass. So that's going to take some snaps away from what normally would be your fifth receiver and going into five wide receiver sets. So for me, that's why I was like, ah, maybe they're only going to go with five this year, but let's at least start talking about who the candidates would be for the five receiver sets. Mm -hmm. One other quick point to note is I always rate a receiver on their ability to play special teams for making the teams moving down because like we're saying, starters usually don't play special teams unless you're a good returner. DJ, I think, is going to be the starting punt returner again this year. I think he's going to be from square one. I'd be happy if he did kick return also, but he hasn't in the past. Who knows if he will? We know Juju stepped in there a few times. Normally, he's not doing any special teams as well, and Washington can't play special teams. So we definitely have Juju and Washington they probably aren't playing any special teams whatsoever. Claypool's going to be playing all of them, as much as they can give them, honestly. And now we've got the next uh, one, two, three, four, five players that may be on this team for different reasons. Now, one of the guys that I liked initially, well, we'll go back with last year who was on the team. Uh, Dion kane he came in, subbed in as the Z receiver last year, showed a lot of ability to get an open deep, drawing some pass interference, smart around the football, smart with his body positioning. uh, But he gives zero special team snaps. Um, Switzer is the opposite. Switzer didn't have barely any production on the field whatsoever as a receiver was on the team, but he played basically every single special teams. Uh So he was playing the inside stuff on the blocking teams and for the running down the field teams playing in the more toward the inside. So that was a lot of his ability to stick with the team. So the other three players that we have that are kind of like maybes are Quadri Henderson, who is more like he can play any position. He's an X receiver. He can play slot. He can get open deep, and he's a punt and kick returner and did so with the Giants two years ago. Um, Amara Darbo is another guy that's really interesting because he can, he's another one of those Z-type receivers, can get open deep, as a big body guy, but he plays all the coverage and blocking teams. So that guy has a chance of making the team and then you have uh, the other guy, Anthony Johnson. And Anthony Johnson is another deep threat, but he can play kind of the slot as well. He's not the tallest guy. He's really quick. Uh, air, good short air quickness. But he's only had one kick return in his career, and that was in college in 2007. So he essentially has no experience whatsoever in special teams. So now Quadri Henderson, Dion Kane, Switzer, Darbo, AJ, Anthony Johnson. Who do you see, Hunter?
2: I like... Deion Cain first at five. I think he's the most of a lock out of those. Hey, I like what I saw from him on the field and just around the locker room. He seemed to fit in well with everybody. He kind of made a seamless transition. People kind of forget they brought him in as kind of a dart throw mid season. He just, yeah. he just yeah. fit in and got it. So I'm excited to see what happens with him with another year of experience under his belt and a year of knowing the system under his belt. I think he can be, not just like uh, you're our fifth receiver, but like he can actually contribute a little bit. I think he's got something to show. And then the sixth, which is going to make everybody super happy, is Switzer to me. <laughs> Man, I think Switzer is like the most unfairly criticized dude on the Steelers. I understand he's like the whipping post for everybody. He's fun to make fun of and everything, I guess. But he was injured all year. Like he was literally injured all year. And you can't judge a dude who's trying to play injured, trying to play through injuries. He's obviously not at his best. He's not a bad player. He's really not bad at all. He's fundamentally sound. He usually doesn't make the mistakes. Hmm. And he was injured. I don't know how else to put it. He was injured. You're judging an injured dude. The year before, I think he was seventh in, in our net punt returns, seventh yeah. in the league. It's yeah. not like he's not a bad football player, and you don't make it in the NFL and make a career if you're bad. So the fact that he's hanging around should tell you something, and I know this is kind of the however you want to put it Ben loves him and everybody yeah, knows does. Ben loves he him ben, ben works with him in that video it was what Juju Connor and Switzer kept got footballs it. from from Ben so yeah Ben loves the dude and that means a lot and I I mean I I just think Switzer has a place on that team he understands the system he understands the locker room he understands what's needed to be a Pittsburgh Steeler and to be a part of that team I think he's easily the sixth over those those other guys I mean Quadri Henderson's the one especially being he went to college at Pitt he's got a yeah. lot of local appeal you know everybody wants to root for him and i understand he's a great kick and punt returner we saw that in college as well but i just don't see him He he's already been with the team in spurts and never really stuck mm. i just don't i just don't see it from him Switzer just seems to have a leg up and understanding what's needed what's expected of a professional football player if one of the other three breaks through that's great that simply means they outperform switzer yeah. But in my mind, that's, that's what it's going to have to be. It's not going to be like, Oh, we don't really like Switzer. They're going to have to definitively Mm -hmm. outplay Switzer. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. You're right about that.
1: And that is the one player that I could see conceivably giving Dion Kane and Switzer a run for their money. And that is Quadri Henderson. And the reason is because they brought him back multiple times. I mean, he went to the Patriots for a bit. um, He was with uh, the giants for a bit and, the Steelers made it a point to bring him back because they like what he brings to the table. And I know that, that at least from watching him, he is, he's able to play all three wide receiver positions across the line. Switzer's strictly an, a, a, a wide receiver. He's a slot. And uh, uh, Kane is strictly a Z receiver. He's an outside guy going for the deep ball. So yeah. that's normally where their impact's going to stay. But, I mean, you can have Quadri line up in the slot. You can have Quadri take the number of of be a possession receiver at the X, like the way DJ is the way AB was way Hines Ward was in the same spot. I mean, the Steelers love their X receivers to make sure they keep coming down with footballs. Yeah. So, you know, Quadri does have that type of ability. He just has to prove it. And I know it's going to be a lot tougher on this shortened COVID season because right now you got to give a leg up to Kane and Switz because they've been on the team. They've been training with them. They know the playbook. Uh, yeah, no. Quadri's been in a couple seasons. He's been practice squatted for a year with us as well, so he does know the playbook to an extent. But like we're saying, he really has to break out to earn that next spot.
2: Yeah, man. And just to play devil's advocate real quick, I don't know that I even necessarily believe this, but just something to to think about is you mentioned Henderson's versatility. I could say. That that's gonna work against him because okay. he's not he's not elite at any one thing. Deion Kane is elite at just stretching the field and going yeah. deep. That's he does that extremely well. Ryan Switzer is okay, he's maybe not an elite slot receiver, but he's got that down, and that is definitely his thing. They can trust him in that role and they can understand, okay, Switz got the slot down. Quadri is like okay at all of them. And I don't know if they would rather just have, because Juju's versatile, Deontay Johnson's versatile, Chase Claypool's going to be versatile too, I think. They might say, we want a guy who specializes in something versus somebody who's just, you know, 7 out of 10 everywhere. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you want uh, you want the master of one instead of the jack of all trades. That's a I'm good. That's, that's a good argument, Hunter. I I'm like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm
2: just saying. We're not you get saying. Down I
1: there. I hundred percent agree with it because that's not the way they keep offensive right. linemen because they like yeah, jack yeah. of all trades on the offensive line.
2: That's why I led <laughs> with. I don't even know if I believe that. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> I ha- haven't thought about it enough. I really haven't thought about it enough. But, no, but, but it's,
1: an, it, it's there's an something there. Yeah, yeah, there is. There definitely is something there. So. We could uh, move since we've already decided. Uh, it seems like we have some sort of agreement here on the receivers. And obviously, we got to see what, uh, what uh, Darbo and Anthony Johnson can put together here in the preseason. You know, I, I'm always up for seeing anybody make plays. And, you know, what is it, big play? Lee Mays made the team one year from doing that. And the same thing with, with uh, Nate Washington. Yeah. And workout heroes. And uh, Nate Washington was an undrafted rookie free agent that year when he made the team. Which was 2005 the first year that Steelers went and got the ring one for the ring or one for the thumb yeah.
2: and he stuck and contributed he, he did he really elevated yeah
1: and he ended up having a good career as well so for sure so I, like, like I say I'm, I'm always excited to see somebody grow in the system and separate obviously I don't want any more retreads no I don't want a B back no I don't want martavis Bryant back everybody's seeing this I'm not no I'm okay Hunter you, you can come against me, but I am no. done i I, I think. I think he is a, a a good receiver, but my problem was I never liked his hands, and yeah. he showed that he's got <laughs> dropitis when it wasn't Big Ben throwing it to him that one year.
2: <laughs> it's fair. It's fair, man. See, I I don't know. I just love Martavis for some reason. I always mm-hmm. saw him as just such a talented receiver, such a dude he's, who, who he's, was going to just yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, he, he's got he, the size speed ratio off the charts. He's and he's a spark guy. He's fast. He's can jump. He can he can do everything. Great.
2: I got flamed every time I said this, and I understand why, but I stick to it regardless, is that AB and Martavis was like having Rice and Moss on the same team. And the skill sets that they brought, I'm not saying AB (laughs) is Rice and I'm not saying Martavis is Moss, but I'm saying that that skill set and that ability to change the game in the ways that Rice and Moss did, they Mm -hmm. each had that ability. And, man, just having them both was so lethal. It's a shame One of the great injustices of being a Steelers fan is not seeing them together more often because that really, really could have been special.
1: Well, one good point, too, is kind of the decriminalizing of the cannabis for the players. Uh, It looks like it's not going to be as much of a point of emphasis as far as for punishment. And it's almost going to be like a slap on the wrist now as opposed to losing seasons because you're deciding to take some uh, cannabis for pain relief, which I think they should be taking over top of drugs anyway.
2: As it should be. Yes, agreed.
1: There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Okay, moving on, we're going to go back to the Steeler Nation website, SteelerNation.com. We had one of our very own writers, uh, Jordan DeFigio, and she was ranking the top 10 linebackers in Steelers history. And honestly, this is one of the single difficult, like most difficult things to do, I think for good anyone
2: good luck with that
1: <laughs> i know so we roll over here to the screen <laughs> so she's ranking the top 10 linebackers in sealer history and i'm like okay i hope she at least stuck to outside linebackers or inside linebackers but she did all of the linebackers which makes it equally more difficult over the history yep. but yep. we can still talk about it these are always fun we love lists it's the off season what the hell else are we going to talk about mm-hmm so, rolling down number 10. He she throws on a newcomer, TJ Watt was up for for a defensive player of the year last year, I believe he's made two Pro Bowls. Yeah. Two now at this time. Sounds so, right. So, yeah, so but he's very very impactful. 34 and a half sacks already in his 3 years with the team is phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh,
2: I mean, you can't argue with that pick.
1: Yeah. I mean, in retrospect, I will argue but I mean, I honestly absolutely love T.J. Watt. He's my favorite player on defense currently. Sure. Uh, Then Hilton. I'm a big Hilton guy, too.
2: Nice.
1: Nice. Then she moved down. Number nine, James Ferrier. Loved James Ferrier. Excellent pickup. And and we robbed the Jets to pick him up. Uh, And he was nothing but a powerhouse in the center and just barely lost out to Ed Reed the one year for defensive player of the year. Yep. Um, another monster in the middle. And I, I think James Farrier is definitely deserving on being on a list like this, as well as Lawrence Timmons. Yep. Tomlin's first pick slow to start, but once he got in, he did nothing but make plays.
2: Yeah. And puke in Miami. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, honestly, a- after playing for the Steelers so long, if I had to play for Miami, I'd get sick too.
2: <laughs> hey, absolutely. You can't, <laughs> you can't blame a guy.
1: And then going to one of the, who I thought was, probably the most physically gifted linebacker I've ever seen put on a Steelers Jersey. And that was Ryan Chazier. Yeah, That was a guy that I saw play, you know, what was he playing? Um, uh, You know, uh, inside linebacker, but it, it wasn't a three, four, it's a four, three, and he's still making tackles on both sidelines.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, Shazier, nobody's going to argue with that pick and the craziest thing about him that I feel like, I don't, I don't know if it gets lost or if people simply, you know, look back and kind of look fondly on his career, but mm-hmm. he was absolutely still getting better whenever yeah. the injury had, like that was he the was. thing. He he was never like defensive player of the year candidate like TJ Watt, but he was getting to that point where yeah. you could see it every season and his ability to just make impact splash plays. I mean, watch yes. the, the wild card game against the Bengals. If
1: you
2: just oh want <laughs> to watch Ryan Shazier mm-hmm. at his absolute peak, just he, watch that. Didn't
1: he also force the fumble at the end on Hill to get the yes. ball back after the interception?
2: Yeah, and not to mention that, that the Gio Bernard fumble, that yes. play, that shouldn't have been missed. That, sh- that, that should that have been a touchdown. That was a touchdown. Yes, so. it was.
1: But, I mean, they wasn't dead because he did knock him to next week. I mean, he definitely yeah. got And that was the reason why Perfect intentionally headshot AB later in the game. Sure. So, you know, it, it's, it, it was a tough, tough turnaround and tough for him also to lose his career playing the Bengals – Later on, albeit you know a freak occurrence, but we all do love and appreciate Ryan Chazier. We're glad he's still a part of the team. He's still trying to make all the linebackers better, and he's a, a huge story for anyone yeah. uh, following. You know Truly. what it is to persevere through being paralyzed, uh, it, playing the sport you love.
2: It was incredible to see him around the locker room, man. When I, I actually I did an article last year during the season, talking to various linebackers, Devin Bush among them, about the impact Shazier, Even Keith mm-hmm. Butler, I asked about him. And and the way they talk about him and the impact he has on the team while still coaching is amazing. You know, they're always so quick Mm. to talk about his mind. And I truly think that's what separated Shazier, which is crazy because this is a guy who the video I I posted this on Twitter a while back. I found it. I remembered it was on, I think, Vince Williams uh, Instagram at the Uh time. It was a foot race between Shazier uh, Marcus Wheaton, AB, and one more receiver. I can't remember the the, the fourth receiver, but Shazier won the race. <laughs> <laughs> like he was that oh, fast. Dude, yeah, he was just that unbelievable as a linebacker. And, and yeah. so, just, so to say that his mind was his best attribute is is truly saying something because his physical mm-hmm. attributes
1: were completely off, off the, the charts. charts. Off the charts. We'll see how number six was my one of my all time favorite players. Avoid Greg Lloyd. That guy was just the absolute definition of intimidation in the late 80s, early 90s Steelers, and just locked down that right outside linebacker spot.
2: Beast. They didn't hire him for his disposition, right? No, they
1: didn't. <laughs> That's a great T-shirt. At number five. Now, here's Kevin Green. Now, that, as far as for all of the Steelers linebackers, I thought, you know, Obviously a Hall of Famer, obviously deserving, but played three years with the Steelers, still had some good impact during those three years. Um, But for me, to me, this was one of the, you know, uh, toughest ones for me to argue for.
2: I get that. I definitely get that because he was there for such a short period of time. But, man, you touched on it there. He's such a...
1: He, he he just barely beat Watt for his first three years in sacks.
2: That's amazing. Actually. That's amazing. It's
1: <laughs> that? like one of Watt's sacks years was a rookie season. True. And he was a 34.5 sack. One sack behind Hall of Famer Kevin Green in the peak of his yeah. career. So you know, that's a really interesting thing to compare just there. <laughs> that is
2: that is funny to look at it that way. Kevin Green's career, for sure. Like one of the yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, best, phenomenal past yeah, rushers of all time. Plus yeah, he had right. the hair. Come on, Stryker. You know the hair matters. <laughs> He had the hair. He did. (laughs) I would definitely, (laughs) to be fair, I would definitely flip green and Lloyd here for sure. For sure. Yes, I would
1: too. Uh, There's no doubt. My, to me, come on, Jordan on, on my (laughs) list, on my list, Greg Lloyd at the lowest would probably be four, but we'll see who four is.
2: We'll see. We'll see. Joey Porter I was going to say, I have a feeling it's another (laughs) outside linebacker.
1: Another outside line, but you know, I did love Joey Porter and Joey Porter, also, I think, gave you a little bit of extra value off the field as a leader to get the team to rally behind him. They shot me in Denver! They
2: <laughs> shot him in Denver. <laughs> they shot him in they Denver. They shot
1: me in Denver. <laughs> so he, they went into Denver, and they took over in that AFC championship game. He ruined Jeremy
2: Stevens' career just oh, by gosh. talking about him. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that. Yeah. you said it. I mean, him fighting the entire Cleveland Browns team before the game just to get everybody fired. I mean, it yeah, dude yeah. was it? And he still has done that as a coach. Speaking of that Bengals wildcard game, <laughs> he still has the gift of getting the he, other team riled up for no reason. So under
1: skin, <laughs> truly there's something
2: to be said for that, man. One thing working against Joey, just like Kevin green mm-hmm. is that he wasn't in Pittsburgh forever and definitely yeah. had his best years elsewhere. I mean, Joey Yeah, he Ford had some phenomenal years. Yeah. He had
1: some phenomenal years in Miami, that 17 yeah. sack season down there in yeah. Miami too. I mean, exactly. I think, I think he has the potential to making the hall of fame yeah, and I can you see know, it. He's He may be an outside shot at it, but he's got the numbers. He's got the sacks. He's got the production. He's got the Super Bowl ring. So, you know, there, there's a chance that Joe, we might see Joey put on the gold jacket one of these days. Yeah,
2: yeah. and the thing with him that, you know, we definitely touched on it, but that that leadership factor that he brought, you cannot discredit that at all. No. That That's huge. That's part of the Joey Porter story.
1: Yeah. Now, as far as the top three, I, I cannot argue with, with Jordan at all. I thought she was spot on on these. My as is probably my number three all time as well is James Harrison, mm-hmm. uh, phenomenal. I mean, look, I mean, look at the years he stayed with the Steelers as an yeah. undrafted rookie free agent, bouncing on and off the roster. Was with the Ravens for a bit. We picked him back up after the Ravens cut him, and then he proceeded proceeded to pile drive a Cleveland Browns fan and. High jump over Ladanian Tomlinson on an interception return before he was a starter.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and this yep. is the 05 season. So once they got rid of uh, Joey Porter following the 06 season, uh, he was locked in by 08. He was Defensive Player of the Year, and the guy was an absolute monster. And you see, he has the longest play in Super Bowl history. Returning. That matters
2: a little bit, I think. Yeah,
1: I, I, I think I think James yeah. Harrison is a Hall of Famer. The thing that's going to keep him out is the fact that he can't freaking stand Roger Goodell. A lot of fans yeah. can't stand him either, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he definitely made it his point to say, "Roger, you are wrong." When they started um, levying hefty fines on defensive players for making hits,
2: for sure, he was a throwback player in that regard. You know, I didn't. Yeah. Like you said, everybody knows who the next two guys are going to be. I haven't even seen the list yet, but I know who the <laughs> yeah, next two guys are going to be. Yeah, yeah. And one of them very much embodies that James Harrison mentality. Exactly. Of, we're exactly. here to we're here to play defense, man. We're here to hit the quarterback. We're here to make hard-hitting plays, and we're not going to apologize for it after it happens because that no. that's what we're getting paid to do. So James Harrison, number three. absolutely. I mean, defensive player of the year. That's, yeah. That says it all. You win yeah. that, yep. you're in a different class.
1: That is true. Number two, another Hall of Famer, Jack Ham, out of Penn State. Ooh. Linebacker, you. Oh, th- this one take you from a surprise. Yes, I. Hey, thought... I know. I know. We're gonna have a good talk after uh, this. I <laughs> thought they would be
2: flipped.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. It's. It's. Uh. Yep. Linebacker, you. They're going with Ham, nice. and uh, obviously he was the tackle machine. He did all the ugly stuff there in the center for the Steel Curtain. He brought everybody to the ground. Nobody could get past past this guy. So, you know, ending his career, f- a lot of forced fumbles, a lot of interceptions too. I mean, this. 32 interceptions is a lot of interceptions for an there inside linebacker. Actually, That's technically, technically yeah. he was an outside linebacker.
2: He was. That's what sets That's him it. apart, though, man. His coverage yeah. was so far ahead of his time. Jack Hamm is one linebacker who I truly feel could transition into the modern game, yeah. not not miss a beat at all. He yeah. he, he was so cerebral, so smart, mm-hmm. never in the wrong spot, always mm-hmm. making the right play. You think about those, the steel curtain defenses, those defenses of the 70s, Jack Ham is not the first guy you think of, yeah. but, man, you have a hard time convincing me that he wasn't the second best. Everybody knows Joe Green was the best.
1: <laughs> yeah, He was
2: the second best on that defense to me.
1: And, and now we have the number one linebacker, according to Jordan DeFigio, Steelernation.com, and Steeler history, the number one linebacker, of course, is Jack Lambert. Boom. There's, that's I no mean, Come on. That's come that's on. a home run. <laughs> I
2: love it. Uh, Jack Lambert for sure. Like, like I said, I, w- I would flip Lambert and him truly just in terms wow. of a better linebacker, but
1: wow. Nice. That, and that, if you want to, can...
2: if we- you want to go all Joey Porter on it and include oh. off the field, intangibles, intimidation, what yeah. he represented for the team, Jack Lambert is the guy. He was the scariest guy on the defense. Yep. No doubt. And so that had, made, yeah, it looked like a vampire. No teeth. Yeah.
1: Just... <laughs> And that kind of built onto that, that Steeler pride for having intimidating linebackers. You had Lambert, and they went down through Lloyd, and you went down through Porter and Harrison yep. just to have these guys. That, And now you're starting to get Watt doing it. I yeah. mean, Watt's doing it more with his play. He's not much of a talker. And really, Lambert wasn't a talker. He'd just do something if he saw something that he didn't like.
2: For sure. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. The the Cliff Harris, the Super Bowl 10 moment yeah. where Cliff, <laughs> Cliff Harris patting Roy Jarrell on the head and Lambert yeah. throws him down. Oh, my yep. goodness. That's, That's a- one <laughs> of the best moments in Steelers history, in my opinion. And it changes the game, truly. I mean, if you watch that game. The momentum shifted right then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so to me, I think this is an interesting list as, as Steelers fans. I know we can argue a lot of things, but there was one Steeler linebacker that I was disappointed was not on the top 10. And uh, that was
2: I can guess. Can I guess old
1: school guy? Yeah, go ahead.
2: Oh, uh, never mind. You said old old school. Well, you...
1: well I, I well, I want to get to yours too. Okay. I'm I, sure I'm sure you've got a good one too. Sure. But the one I'm gonna t- touch base on is Andy Russell.
2: All right. All right. And fair.
1: That that guy was the lockdown linebacker, you know, right before the Steelers became the powerhouse. Yep. I mean, he was he was steel. That man yep. was Pittsburgh steel. And um, with his la- longevity being on the team, I'd have him above. Um, that's why I'd have him above somebody like like Kevin Green. It's why I'd have him above Watt right now. You know, I, I think by the time Watts finishes his career, he might be a top three. Who knows? Sure. I mean, he this this guy is seems to want to be getting better and better and better every year, and he can kind of do everything as it is right now, but he's still trying to get better. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I'm just really excited to see how he continues to grow and improve not only himself, but the team in general. For sure. So, I'm, really
2: big, I'm really big on Devin Bush too. To, yeah, I mean, yes. You can't to see project what one can year, in, but yeah, there, there's a chance. Absolutely. The talent's there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So who was the person, who was the linebacker that Hunter Holmestek was thinking about?
2: I thought you were going to go LeVon Kirkland on me.
1: (laughs) Yep. That's a good one as well. (laughs)
2: LeVon Kirkland for sure. I See, that's why I have
1: a problem with like inside linebackers and outside linebackers because LeVon, Captain Kirk, you've got to include as well.
2: Yeah. And there's another guy and I only know of him, honestly, because I did a, I was on a locked on Steelers podcast and did a little exercise kind of similar where we picked like our all-time Steelers linebacker. So I really Mm. dug into the history in the eighties, Mike Merriweather. No, he was a monster. And three time all pro Yeah, just like, but for those Steelers teams that nobody cared about. So nobody's ever really heard of him, but man, Mike Merriweather's career absolutely worth looking into. You could, you could easily make the case. He deserves to be on that list, but I'll say, you normally see a top 10 list and like four of the picks you have big problems with, you know, Jordan did a great job on that, man. That list is pretty bulletproof. Honestly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good list. Obviously we can argue up and down the order, the order <laughs> with, yeah, the order, the t- and we, we can say maybe this person or that person, but yeah, she's solid. We love having her on board and she's one of our, uh, one of our new up and coming writers. And we've got a bunch of them. we got, got a bunch nice. of great writers uh, that have added to the teams and I got Um, One more list I think that we should we should go through pretty quickly uh, because it just came out this week and it was from John Walker and he ranked the top 10 cornerbacks all time on this. Now, to me, I I think that this is a this is an easier ranking just because there aren't as many great cornerbacks as there are great linebackers. (laughs) <laughs> sure, sure <laughs> I, mean, I, agree. I mean look at us we can argue down to 15 16 17 on this absolutely
2: online and say
1: any of them could have been top 10ers mm-hmm. so i'll roll us over here to the top 10 uh cornerbacks by john walker SteelerNation.com. you can come on over the page make sure you jump on too if you don't agree with these guys make sure you comment and you give them hell you let them know what you think
2: <laughs> definitely that one's What's the internet for if it's not to disagree with lists? I don't know. I mean, <laughs>
1: <laughs> During COVID, that's all I'm doing. Right, exactly. So we'll go to my screen here. Up, oh, wrong screen. I'll stop sharing the main screen, and I'll start sharing the screen I want to share. All right. See, I'm running my own green room as well, guys. Sorry about that. He does, it, here. All. Here does it all. Here we go. Yep. Running the switcher. and everything. So number 10 on the list, Chad Scott. A yeah. guy who was on this, uh, the, the team for a very long time, missed, just missed out on playing. His, his career was sandwiched between two Super Bowl appearances in 95 and 2005, but he was a solid, solid uh, cornerback, good defender, um, and was pretty much solid right off of the bat when he, uh, when he was drafted right out of Maryland.
2: Yeah, he was always good. Never great by my recollection, but always good. And a first-round pick, got a little extra heat because of that. If yeah. my recollection serves kind of yeah, had always. the Tarot Edmonds syndrome to a, to a degree where people hold that first round grade over your head. And even though you're performing fine, maybe not lighting it up completely, but doing okay. Yeah. they are always going to hold it against you to a degree here yeah. in Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, that's true. So but number- he,
2: he, he did beat out Artie burns for that 10 spot though. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Artie burns is in the top 50 <laughs> 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 moving along. There. Number nine, Joe Hayden. Now I thought this was, an like, I definitely agree Joe Hayden is a top 10 Pittsburgh Steeler cornerback, hands down. Like, no question about it. I was surprised he was this low on the list. I agree with you. I cannot
2: believe he just popped up at number nine. In my head, (laughs) I'm trying to put together the list in my head as I see it. You know, one, two are very easy. I think the the order of one, two is going to be fun for me to see. One, two, two, three, actually, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Three, two. Sorry. Yeah. Man, I, no,
1: it's it's up. But it's... I
2: forget. <laughs> but yeah, Joe Joe Hayden after that is on that next year to me as far as being you know a Pro Bowler. Yeah. All Pro consideration at times in his yep. career. Steelers haven't had a ton of cornerbacks in that realm. So no. I could I could see. I'm anxious to see who's next.
1: Yeah, and that, and honestly, I can see Joe Hayden moving his way up the spots in the years to come as well, as far as for Steeler Nation.
2: <laughs> he, he's getting older, but he's not slowing down. He's so. not. So he's improved who knows? yeah I mean if he keeps doing what he's doing there's no doubt he's gonna work his way up
1: and number eight on the list is big play <laughs> Willie Gay yeah
2: I beautiful. loved him.
1: I mean that guy could just return touchdowns he was kind of a lot of the times he came in as the extra uh, corner but then when he was actually brought in as the outside starter he did a fine job he left the team for a few years did he go to you go to Arizona and then come back. It seems like everybody goes to Arizona and comes back.
2: What they do. Brian
1: McFadden. And Brian McFadden yeah. definitely did that. <laughs> so yep. That's what I was thinking about. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but sure. whoever, wherever Willie Gay came, he came back and he had a lot of fun here in, in, in Pittsburgh. And he
2: was awesome. It meant a lot yeah. to the team. Obviously they bring him back as an assistant coach. It yes. means a lot to the organization and to the guys. So I get it. But right off, that's just, further confirms our point about Hayden man I can't put Willie Gay above no Hayden. I can't yeah it's a,
1: yeah when you see that that yeah. juxtaposition it's like yeah if We're every to amount of years played on the Steelers we got to redo that linebacker list too but unless,
2: like, <laughs> unless the unless our writer here is really into the intangibles and kind of yeah. the leadership and everything that Willie Gay brought I'll give him that I'll yeah. give
1: him that okay so rolling down just D- to Townsend OK, 1998 right. to oh, nine he had a long career. He was another one of those guys that was for the longest time just hanging on the roster as like that third cornerback that came in for three wide receiver sets uh, and then didn't really become the full time starter until his last few years, one of them being a Super Bowl season.
2: Sure. He was another guy very much Chad Scottish to me. In yeah. that you, you never remember him being elite, but you also never remember him making the huge costly mistakes. He, he yeah. was good. He was. Yeah. He was fine, and he was a vital piece, like you said, of those Super Bowl runs for sure. Mm. Um, I'll never forget I was at the Steelers Cowboys game in Heinz Field where Deshae oh. had the had the pick six at the end. So I'll <laughs> never forget comeback. that. Yeah, Deshae had his moments for sure. This is, I'm fine with him at number seven.
1: Yes, definitely fine with him on the list. Uh, number six here's here's a guy that a lot of Steeler fans might have forgotten, yeah. and that's oh, absolutely that's J T Thomas. He was solidly locking down the other side of a field for the Steeler curtain defense and another guy that puts up, you know, great stats, but obviously it's for a defense that was that dominant with that many dominant players, not all of them can be alpha dogs, but JT Thomas was an excellent, excellent corner.
2: Yeah. I mean, geez, you saw how long it took Donnie shell to get into the hall of fame because of how littered it already (laughs) is with those 70s teams being JT Thomas opposite Mel Blunt was even a worse situation as far as, (laughs) as far as being overshadowed, but man, he absolutely deserves a spot on this list. I'm happy yeah. to see that he made it because he definitely doesn't get the credit he deserves. And just a tough dude. You talk yeah. about the seventies mentality. He, he brought it in full.
1: Yeah, definitely did. Number five on the list, Dwayne Woodruff in the middle years, the eighties into the nineties. Another one with such Mike. a good pick. Played with Mike Merriweather played with, uh, back when they drafted, um, uh, uh, well, I won't say his name cause he'll be on the list later, but like you said, one of the forgotten uh, Steelers cornerbacks of that era. And he was a, a a good player on a bad team.
2: Yep. Oh, absolutely. He he was incredible again, just like Mike Merriweather. I'm actually, I'm doubly glad I brought him up now because the listeners need to go look at Dwayne Woodruff as well from the yeah. same teams because the, they were the two guys who really stand out in that era who don't get any love at all. And, as my ex-colleague at DK Pittsburgh Sports informed me, Chris mm-hmm. Carter, Dwayne Woodruff is also a judge. So you want to talk about really? just a super intelligent dude as well yeah. who who is just this interesting character outside of football. Dwayne Woodruff is kind of the man. Like like if you look into this guy, you're going to you're going to love him. You just are
1: wow. Oh uh, yeah, cuz I, I that's the this is the era I grew up in. So this is when I started being a football player with you know Jerry Osowski playing there with Merryweather, and you had Abercrombie, and you had Mark nice. Malone, and very nice, and Lewis Lips was actually the high point of those teams back then. But I
2: mean, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But, so but definitely, got... I remember Dwayne playing some great defense because there was some some good plays to to celebrate with him when he was on the field.
2: Absolutely, man. So we've got three Hall of Famers, one, two, three for sure, and then four yeah, well, is obviously
1: four is Ike Taylor, the yeah. only, honestly, one of the coolest. Uh, uh, like cornerbacks to kind of come up through the system kind of got elevated, then dropped down a little bit because of cower and then got pushed back up again uh, because he, he kind of reacted to a statements to, to kind of make himself better. But he came, was a later round draft pick with all of the intangibles, super fast, great size, didn't have a lot of cornerback experience, but the Steelers decided to take a flyer on him to make him a project and turn him into a corner. And this was one of the last, projects the Steelers have had that turned into a great corner.
2: Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, he worked out very well for them, and everybody will say if Mike Taylor had hands, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. Right? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, unfortunately true, I think, too, man. He, he was but, so good so often that he's underappreciated, I think, because a lot of people will remember tim tebow and demarius thomas on him or or kind of the downs yeah man ike taylor was so vital to those teams in a time when you cannot forget how badly the steelers needed help at cornerback they did not have good secondaries as good as the defenses were their corners were very iffy so to have Ike, a guy that you could just trust completely was so huge during those years
1: and he was the guy locking down the other team's number one. And honestly, with as stony as his hands were in the regular season, for some reason in the playoff time, he became a different player. Big interception in that 05 Super Bowl to take a a would-be uh, points off of the board for Seattle when they were in the red zone, run it back the other way, you know, get clipped yep. by Hasselbeck. And that was a, That was a big play. And that's yep. a big play that I remember from him. And, and there was also some other inter- interceptions in other divisional games that were big parts of getting the Steelers passed and into those other rounds. So he was kind of (laughs) it was like showed more of himself and really stepped up his game in the playoffs to actually catch the football.
2: Sure, man, there's something to be said for that. I mean, you can talk about the clutch gene or the clutch factor or however you want to put it. Ike had that and would step up when his team needed him. And Mm. one more thing, just shout out to Ike Taylor for being so personable and so good in his Mm. post-football career. He's done a really good job of staying involved with the Steelers community and fans and always just nothing but compliments for the Rooney family and for the coaches he had there. I mean, he's, he's just such a good Pittsburgh dude.
1: Mm, Swagging. Yeah. (laughs) Number three on the list. Yeah. Number three, Jack Butler. Had to be, had to be Jack Butler. You got to go to the old hall of famers. Yeah. Jack Butler screaming in the back defense for the Pittsburgh Steelers of the (laughs) fifties.
2: easily forgotten as well because of the time period he played in but holy yeah. crap guys just go look at this dude's stats this is yeah. a guy when i was on we were we were doing actually a, we did a linebacker draft like that's how i learned about mike Merriwither. and we yeah. also did the secondary draft and i snagged jack butler in that because holy crap yeah dude had nine interceptions in two separate seasons 10 yes. interceptions in another season, and they only played 12 games 12 a games season. yep <laughs> Uh, I know, right? Go, like,
1: He has 52 interceptions in nine 12-game seasons. Redid. That's insane.
2: That, that's absolutely that's, – that doesn't <laughs> even make sense. That's now, what, granted, 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 quarterbacks could not throw the ball they, back then at yeah, all. Yeah, they,
1: they had a lot of Tebow's back then.
2: Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. But Jack <laughs> Butler. But who else from that time period did that? Nobody, so no. he still stood out, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Number two on the list. We know we're getting the, the Steelers Hall of Famers now, guys. Who is he? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Mel Blunt. Oh, Hunter's grabbing his head. He says it's the wrong way around. No,
2: I agree. I just Go can't good. believe he went there. I agree, but I, I cannot believe they went with that. Yeah, no,
1: but wow. I, I I, will discuss this too when we get to number one, but let's talk wow. about the Cowboy himself, Mel Blunt out there, the outlaw of the Steel, steel Curtain defense. Unreal.
2: I'm just, I'm still in shock, man. You got to give me a second. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's fantastic. Right. Yeah. One and two, one and two, you're yeah, One and two,
1: they could be interchangeable. We can argue for an hour yeah. on, on that, just that it's, point alone. But
2: yeah, it, it's very much Lambert versus Ham, which is funny that it comes down to that where you yeah. can't yes. complain. You can't complain either way. Mill yeah. Blunt literally changed the game. So he has that going for yes. him. You can't, there's zero bad words. And, I've seen Mel Blunt very recently, last year, and the dude still looks like he could play. Right. The the guy doesn't age. (laughs) He he truly doesn't age. I was terrified of him, honestly. (laughs) Just passing him in the hall. I was like, I was like, don't hit me, Mr. Blunt, please. No. No. Awesome. Awesome guy. Awesome stealer. One of the best cornerbacks to ever Mm. play the game. No questions. Except.
1: And he changed for... the game. The Mel Brunt Blunt rule. He he hit players too hard, so they had to change yep. the rule. He can't clutch and grab anymore. Yep. So what happened? He just continued to win Pro Bowls and become player the defensive player of the year. Good enough. Care. But number Good one, enough. number one yeah. quarterback of all time for the Pittsburgh Steelers is Gotta be. Rod Woodson. Yep. I, I'm with this 100%. Woodson is my all-time favorite player because I grew up in this era. He could do everything, punt return, kick return, shut down corner, came in on to be the wide receiver or even a slot back or a a slap back position every once in a while and just could do everything. He was a football player and excelled everywhere on the field.
2: Just an athlete. I mean, an Olympic-level athlete, track and field as well. Just, I mean, the dude, an insane football player and athlete. But kind of like... Kevin Green, not nearly to that degree, but maybe had his best years elsewhere. So, if you really wanted to split hairs with the list, I could see you saying, Well, Mel Blunt was always a stealer. Oh, wait, yeah, I could
1: see that. And that could be. And he, is, certainly he certainly
2: didn't go to the Ravens. He uh, certainly didn't go to the Ravens and win a Super Bowl. So, but. I, look, I, I couldn't I'm hold
1: that you. against him, honestly. I'm with I, you. I, was, on I actually Wilson. worked for the Ravens back then. Yeah, I, like, yeah, yeah. I can't hold it against you, but I'm nah, a Steeler fan. Nah, I'm with on you on Rob What <laughs> one,
2: one of the most. One of the most talented football players ever, regardless of position.
1: So, yeah. Oh, so easily. Came, yeah. Easily, and and just it, it was and then and then later on his, in his career when he transitioned from being a corner to being a safety, yeah. and he excelled at being a safety. And that's when he won the Super Bowl with the Ravens. He was yeah. actually their starting free safety.
2: He could have played anything, man. He was just that yeah. kind of guy. He could have done whatever they needed. He, he was that good.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was. He was, and he still, I think, he has the. All-time record for uh, career interception returns for touchdowns. Nice. I never knew that. That's awesome. That that was – I think it's for – just for it should say on one of these. What is it? Three seasons of the – 10 times, but Pittsburgh. I I saw it somewhere. It's one of his – I think it's interception returns for touchdowns. He has the record for the NFL.
2: You could pretty much tell me any Rod Woodson fact, and I would buy it,
1: because <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not total. Again, I think I totals Dion because he had kick and punt returns, but sure. Rod also had kick and punt returns as well, just not as many as Dion. Sure, Dion was a superior, superior returner, but not a superior corner and all around corner in my eye. He was a great shutdown corner against the pass, but couldn't, couldn't tackle. tackle worth a damn. Yeah for so, sure shied away from sure. Tackling. <laughs> but that that was fly in Ron. pittsburgh no rob would knock you into next week <laughs> absolutely so that was a fun list so it's you crazy. know that's pretty much everything i wanted to talk about steeler wise today other th- other than you know the one thing i wanted to show you was the steeler nation um uh website we have new t-shirt designs nice and I just think they're super cool. I'm like super into them and I want to show them to you so we can kind of go over them a little bit.
2: Nice. Let me check those. And so
1: we can show all of Steeler Nation. So Steeler Nation, you're looking for gifts and stuff. Come over to the SteelerNation.com gear page and check us out because right here, we've got our new designs for our t-shirts and we've gotten to more like fan oriented designs, which I think is always the way to go. I mean, obviously I'm rocking my Steeler Nation shirt as always, and I'll continue to do that. But we've got our nation logo now with a six-pack with Super Bowl trophies. I mean, that's, that's a money, that's money that's ball. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Yep, as well as Steeler Nation established, 1933, classic. Yep. Got it. You know, that's just a classic, classic design. Champ Yins is Love probably it. my all-time favorite.
0: Love
1: it. <laughs> because the spell Yins with Y-A-N-Z is just genius. We got For some sure. great guys here. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, guys. Thanks, team. All the design <laughs> team kicking some butt. And koozies, I'm a big koozie guy. Are you a koozie guy?
2: Absolutely. Okay, yeah, cool. I'm going to get one of those as soon as we hang up. <laughs>
1: I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, awesome. Yeah, because that's what I'm, I'm going to be blowing some money. I think the first three t-shirts are, are definites for me. The, Steeler the six, Nation, the six, the six pack pack's
2: great, but it's going to be a vintage shirt after this year. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it will go with my beer drinking for one more year. Then we got the defense for Steeler Nation. Nice. Big fans of defense and the made in Pittsburgh. I like with the, that. With, with the hypocycloids on there uh, and the Pittsburgh font with the stencil. I like that, too. And then these are some cool ones, too. Now you I got this.
2: <laughs> got to leave. I got to leave. The I terrible see.
1: towel shirt and then you got the Oh Mama shirt. Now I it took me a while to figure this one out. Uh it comes from the great Steeler song that's played for Renegade. Oh mama, uh, early, hey, how a <laughs> how oh, oh. See, I, I don't even, I've heard that song a billion times. I still don't know what they're saying past almost.
2: That's because it's not a good <laughs> song, Stryker. That's why you don't know the words. <laughs> you it's know, not good.
1: And I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and Hunter actually, like, we can get into talking about this just a little bit because Hunter posted on his Twitter earlier this week <laughs> something yeah. specific about Renegade. And yeah. I'll let you set that up, Hunter.
2: It's just not a good song, guys. Listen, I understand <laughs> the appeal, I get it. My point is this. The Steelers need to stop late in the fourth quarter. The screen goes black. TJ Watt's completely losing his mind down on the field. You could literally play the wheels on the bus in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> and every fan would lose their mind. You only <laughs> lose your mind. Especially if you mind. still had
1: Jerome Bettis on the team. <laughs> right?
2: Right? <laughs> you literally only lose your mind for Renegade because of the moment. The song yeah. does not make the moment. It is actually a trash song. You just admitted it. Nobody knows the words to that song because I don't even think, I don't even think the dude He out, they sing
1: about, <laughs> say, God, and found me. You know the general Renegade melody. it is yeah. lemonade and something is behind me. Yeah, that exactly. Who knows? Lemonade so, but,
2: behind me, yeah, that's definitely it. It's a trash song. It's and, a trash song.
1: And I wrote him back on his Twitter, and I, I was like, huh, Hunter, I grew up in the '70s and '80s, and I didn't know the song existed until yeah. the series started playing it after that the. Says,
2: that says it all, man. That just says it all.
1: Dead serious. Like the only stick song I know was Mr. Yeah. Robato. That was it. Yeah, nice.
2: Well, Renegade Damn. is better than that. I will I- say.
1: Oh no! Oh <laughs> uh, yeah! Wow! Well, well, well for you're me, losing,
2: you're losing the, fans faster the, than it's me. It's the
1: comedic value of doing the okay, Domo fair. Origato, Mister Roboto fair, robot dance to it. Fair. So. I anyway, will say, for me, it's all about the comedy. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I will transition and say that terrible towel shirt is snazzy. Man. Yeah, I like that, I like that's that a, a lot. I like bad that bad
1: ass terrible towel shirt. But anybody who loves, and there's a ton of Steeler Nationers out there that do love the O Mama. So don't let us poop on your parade. Buy the O Mama shirt. Buy the Terrible Towel Waving shirt, the maiden Pittsburgh shirt, the Defense shirt, yeah. the Koozie, the Champions, the Steeler Nation, and the Six Pack. And thanks a lot for at least showing us and, and, and checking out a little bit of the gear page because we know we just had Father's Day. I'm getting my wife to actually grab me a couple more of those. Like All my money that I'm making just basically goes to Steelers apparel so I can wear it on these vidcasts.
2: It's, it's a reasonable <laughs> transition, my friend. That's a good way to spend your money. <laughs> it is.
1: <laughs> so everybody, hey, hunter anytime you and i get together it's just two friends hanging out having a blast talking Steelers, and i could do for this sure. all night with you so thanks for sure, again man. for joining us again and thanks for
2: having me dude hey. it was awesome to be back the lists were great let's do some more lists next time i'm a big <laughs>
1: list guy <laughs> nice good because yeah. the uh the, the the writers i'm on the thread they're putting together some lists i think they're doing defensive linemen next so i'll have you back on and we'll talk about some more lists coming up here soon and all we'll- right we'll we'll crack some of their we'll bust some of their chops too about how, like how they ordered it and who they put on <laughs> I, I eagerly
2: I eagerly await the top 10 quarterbacks
1: <laughs> Can we get past 4? <laughs> no, you can't and it's going to be really fun. <laughs> we got 4 and then Duck Hodges. Okay. So <laughs> so Steeler fans, you've got to follow Hunter Homestek on his website homestack.com that's h o m i s t e k.com check out all of his freelance writing. Check him out on Twitter. And we got the Instagram at Hunter That's H-U-N-T-E-R-A-H-O-M-I-S-T-E-K. And super fun. I, I follow my chop. I, I bust his chops all the time on, on, on Twitter as well. It's a lot of fun.
2: It's a good time. <laughs> yeah, come out. Come out and bust my chops. If you buy the Renegade the O oh Mama shirt, try it on and tag me in it. Yep, Take a picture yeah. and tag it
1: yeah, and say, yeah. you're wrong, Hunter. <laughs> You're for so. Sure.
2: Old, I accept this. I accept this burden. Let's do <laughs> it. <laughs>
1: uh, hey Steeler fans, come on over to SteelerNation.com for the best football forum on the internet. Tweet us at SteelerNation, Instagram us at SteelerNation.com, follow the podcast at underscore S N Podcast, and follow me at S N Striker. That's Striker with a Y. Thanks for joining us on the SteelerNation.com podcast. I'm your host, G. Stryker, with Hunter Homestek, rooting along with you, as always. Go Steelers!